right? We got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a low right now. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson on FM 1017 and 1320-KLWN. Hey, what's happening? Welcome in to another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk. I'm Derek Johnson on FM 1017 and 1320-KLWN. Adam Dravetta, Derek Johnson, and Cole Cedabutar. Uh, we've got... Brandon McAnderson joining the show in about 35 minutes from right now, talking a little KU football and a full weekend of sports upcoming here. Uh, we've got at 5.30 pregame coverage, KU basketball taking on Tarleton State. That'll lead into tip-off at 7 o'clock so you can hear KU basketball again here on both KLWN and on our sister station, 105.9 KISS. Um, you'll be able to hear the two high school football games tonight. No high school pregame show due to KU coverage. We will be on 92.9 The Bull in two different ways. So if you want to hear the Lawrence High game tonight, you have to specifically listen on the FM, 92.9 FM. Um, That's 92.9 The Bull, just the FM. If you want to hear the Free State game, you have to specifically go to the website, bull929.com. The Bull stream is how you can listen. So you can listen on your phone, your computer, your tablet, whatever. And if they listen on the Bull 929 stream, on the mm-hmm. internet stream, whose voice will they hear, Derek? They will hear my voice on the stream of that okay. one. I'll be right. uh, by myself, actually, making the track. And the, the legendary track. Hank Booth will be on the FM station. Along with Sam Speck. High. That is right. Um, so I'm going to actually be getting out of here early for the show today because of the fact that I need to get down to uh, Derby High School. But uh, we'll have that. And then tomorrow we have the KU football game for you at 5 o'clock pregame, 6.30 kickoff. Uh, for KU at Texas. Uh, KU basketball tonight takes on Tarleton State, their first home game of the year. Uh, I'm sure the atmosphere is going to be electric, not necessarily because of the opponent, but this is the first regular season home game with uh, a full capacity of crowd in a couple years. Um, I, I don't know if the Tarleton, the purple poo, will be showing up. And if you don't know what, what I'm referring to, yes, it is. Um, I sent and this he, video. That's, that's what... This is what they're called. I'm, I'm going to let him explain this, but just to be clear, he didn't make that up. No, I did not make this up. Um, the Purple Poo is not the like mascot name or something. Could you imagine that if if that was like their team name? Like, let's go Poo, Poo on two, one two Poo. I don't um, know. I, I it's. I mean, when I my, when my dad was in college, he played on a uh, intramural softball team. They called themselves the Nads, so people <laughs> would show up and they'd say, "Go Nads." Well, I remember. Uh, Austin P, because you know they say let's go P for their their chant. They had a guy back in the I don't know eighties or nineties or something, and and he was like a small guard, quick player, and I think they called him the Fly, and they would call him like or they they'd do some weird chant with that with the Fly and P and everything. Um, so I I don't know those we're growing up here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Um, but so but the Purple Poo, this is the name like this. It's this Tarleton State tradition that goes back uh, I don't know decades. Um, to where basically it was these members, they have 10 males, 10 females that got inducted into like helping 
bring support and, you know, uh, basically like rally people, but they all dress up in like these costumes and you can't see them. They have masks on. They they cover themselves like head to toe. So you have no idea who they are. And then I, I think once they like graduate, they get to tell people and, and everything. Um, it's just a weird tradition. And there there's a video on this on the Tarleton State website. It, it's creepy because it's almost like, you know how like that movie Midsummer is like very, um, it, it's like a, a creepy factor that combines like a hominess factor because it's that kind of like I don't know like just like a homie in a bad way that is how I would describe oh, like this. like if you're a part of it it's very cozy but if you're an outsider yes, it's, it's like, terrifying what is going on yeah and it's just it's, it's weird to me how like like in midsummer yes and I, I wish I wish I, I don't know there my favorite quote in the video they don't make the application to become a poo they are given a chance to become a poo and they accept it with all the cost involved to be a poo that's what they call themselves. I know. It's so weird. So I don't know if they'll be in attendance. Uh, and there's the no explanation of how that name came about, I don't believe. <laughs> no, why did they call themselves the Purple Poo? Actually, well, no. Actually, no. I do remember now. In the video, they were, like, planning something, and somebody dropped paint. And this doesn't make sense. It was purple paint, and it got over everywhere. And somebody made a joke and was like, ha, it looks like poo. And they said, from then on, we were the Purple Poo. It's like... What a group! I know, right? They're, they're, they are. I saw on their website they are uh, Tarleton State itself is a, is an extension of the Texas A and M um, kind of group of schools, and mm. the, uh, Texas A and M has some bizarre traditions too that we're getting more with the advent of social media. <laughs> we're getting more and more glimpses into some so of those videos. Texas A and M has some bizarre. So it's just, I, I guess it's just. These people are attracted to these universities. I don't know what it is. Well, speaking of Texas A&M, do you know who the coach is of Tarleton State? Billy Gillespie. That is right. The yeah. former Texas A&M coach. Once who uh, he got the last, before what turned out to be the longest winning streak in the history of Allen Fieldhouse, Billy Gillespie scored the, the win, the opponent win, that uh, w was the last uh, loss that KU had before their 69-game home winning streak. Um, AC Law the fourth, Canada three at the end of the game to win 69-66. And I just thought about it. I wonder if AC Law has a kid because we could be approaching on AC Law the fifth coming around into college basketball pretty soon. Uh, but Tarleton State last season was, I believe, their first year in. I don't, I don't know if it was just in. I think it was just in D one. I think they moved up. Um, they went ten and ten a season ago. They were, you know, fine for being a, a whack school. Uh, this year, they started 0-1. They lost 62-50 to to Stanford, but they didn't get completely blown out of the water by a Power 5 team. Stanford's like the top 70 team in Ken Palm. Uh, the spread I saw for this game, KU is favored by 26. Ken Palm has the game at 81-56 to in favor of Kansas, so should be a game that um, you go up by. I, I probably wouldn't touch the spread personally because you, Bill you, Self is friends with Billy Gillespie. He probably oh, wouldn't yeah. run up the score, but you could convince me, you know, all of KU's backups, all their depth probably comes into play in extending blowouts. Yeah, you could, and, and you could also on the topic of, of not intentionally, you know, running up the score, but you could see a scenario in which Kansas is up 35 mm -hmm. or 38 with eight minutes left and there's just not enough time to bring it back to that 26. But yeah, I, I wouldn't bet this. Um, yeah. So what I, I would you? expect it to look a lot like the Emporia State game. Yeah. So what are you kind of looking for in this game? Because I think there's only some. Obviously, it would be a big statement if KU were to struggle, right? If KU were to have, I think it was North Dakota State last year where you had to pull it out late in the game, that yeah. would be kind of a statement. But outside of that, like if everything goes to plan, KU wins by 15, 20, 30 points, whatever it is, like what are you looking for today 
that would maybe build off of anything you saw in the first game or that you're just kind of looking for moving forward? I'll give you two things. Do you want them both right off the bat or one at a time? Uh, let's go one at a time. Uh, first one is Remy Martin getting going earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I wonder, you know, I wonder if it was jitters. I wonder if it was just the nature of the offense. Remy didn't get a chance to put a shot up. Could have been a lot of factors, and, and he was obviously, you know, he wasn't bad in the first half by any means. Um, but I, I do wonder if if the reason he didn't, did he? I know he didn't score. Did he even put up a shot in the first half? No, he didn't. Today? So part of me wonders if he was, if he, if he really wanted to show that he was ready to buy in and he was ready to be part of this system, uh, and and that's why he was maybe a little more passive in the first half. Then in the second half, he was tremendous. He put up 15 points all in the second half. Uh, so I would I would like to see that my my number one thing would be Remy Martin getting going a little earlier. I don't even care. I'm not saying he needs to put up 15 points a half, but uh, you know, spread out those shots over the course of a game. Yeah, I think that's something I'm looking for. I'm I'm also looking for uh, Ochai like continued aggressiveness. What is your second thing, David McCormick? Yeah, uh, getting a little more playing time. I don't know what that was about. I don't recall him being. I'll I'll, I'll say this. I watched that game at um, at a bar. I wasn't mm-hmm. getting hammered, but I was grabbing dinner with a friend. And we watched the game there. So I don't know. Was there foul trouble or was it just he was he, just out? He did get a couple fouls in the first half. Um, he he wasn't like ever in like serious foul trouble. I don't remember. But I mean, Mitch Lightfoot, when he came in, like he played pretty well. That he helped secure the inside. I don't yeah, know. that might have been all it was. But it, Dave, Dave playing a, a more full, mm-hmm. um, you know, 22 to 25 minutes. Well, he, the thing for me with Dave is that. Um, You know, we had last year, the beginning of the year, you had kind of the struggle to start the season, and then you picked up in Big 12 play. And the question was this year, like, are you going to get the guy we saw in Big 12 play, or are you going to get more of just kind of inconsistencies? And I I think when you have a a game where you go against Michigan State and go 4 of 11, it can be excused pretty easily considering, you know, it's first game of the season, you're playing a really good shot blocker in Bingham with Michigan State, you just maybe had a, had a kind of a, a bad game shooting like it it happens, but if it happens against Tarleton State, yeah, then we're going to be starting to talk about oh no, is this the same thing that happened last year? I don't know if uh, Bill Self sent him a message. I'm, this isn't reporting. I'm purely speculating here, but I, I, I part of me wonders if if it was a pr- impressed upon him at, at halftime because he came out, he was good on the offensive end in the second half, but more than anything, he was out there on mm-hmm. defense, man. Uh, he, he got the the block that I think wound up on the Sports Center top ten, so that really to me made a huge statement. Was that how I mean, he he really went after it on defense when, once he got the chance to come back in the game? Yeah, and I I think uh, he got asked about this yesterday at media availability. Uh, somebody said like you know you had a block that was on the Sports Center top ten. I think it was number eight, and he was like uh, he was like wait I was like he didn't even know he was on there till yesterday. A heck of a block. I know it was. Um, but that I, I think. While we hit, we do have questions, and I don't think there's a big concern level about you know a poor offensive game. Like I said, there, there's reasons to excuse it, um, and I'm not overly concerned about it. But I will say the defensive side of it with those blocks. I know those are small moments in time, right? That's just one play of however many plays in a 40 minute basketball game. That was, I think, really important to see because we haven't. Like, like Dave's not a bad rim protector. He's a solid rim protector. He's fine, right? But he's he's 
not as as much as like the high of it is Jeff Withy and Cole Aldridge, right? And then probably your next level is like a Yudoka Azubuki, who was like a good rim protector, got maybe closer to one and a half, two blocks a game, whereas Withy and Aldridge were around three or four blocks a game. Um, and, and Dave has always been a guy who, again, he's been you know he's been fine in that regard. He's been fine as a one on one post defender, but not great in space. But if you can get Dave being a legit rim protector, like one of the best rim protectors in the conference, that changes the defense pretty measurably. Yeah, the guards can get up on their guys a little tighter uh, than they would otherwise because they don't have to prevent them from, for, you know, they don't have to worry. Well, if they drive, then, then I've got a safety net behind me. I actually think as fantastic as Russell Robinson was, and I don't want to take anything away from him, uh, of course, well, now that I think about it, Robinson only played uh, Cole Aldrich's um, – uh, in Cole Aldrich's freshman year, freshman yeah. year, so maybe that's not a great comparison. But some of these great uh, defensive guards for Kansas were helped along by the fact that they could play up. Well, I have uh, one because for you. they had a safety net behind them. Tyshawn Taylor, yeah, there's right. A good like example. Tyshawn Taylor was averaging two steals a game, and I don't remember if he ended up making like an All Big Twelve defensive team ever. I think he might have. Um, but does he average that many steals? Does he have that much impact in the passing lane that allows him to get out and transition and have some more of those easy scores if you don't have Jeff Withy behind you? Yeah, I think that's – I mean, I, I have to think that they adjust how they guard mm -hmm. if they if they realize that they've got something of a safety net behind them. I, I, a part of me wonders if it's energy with Dave. Uh, I don't know that. But, but he's it, always played at such a high energy. Like, the criticism with Dave has always been – a bull in a china shop type of thing where sometimes it's too just much it's too much, you yeah. know? That could be. I, I just I know that he came out fiery on defense against Michigan State in the second half. Yeah, and honestly, like you could convince me that it would be more important for Dave to be that defensively with not as much offense than it would be the other way around just because you have more offensive firepower this season. Yeah, that yeah. This season, yes, absolutely. Because mm -hmm. it's not it isn't like really the offense, and again, we only have really, I guess if you want to count Emporia State, we have a two-game sample size. In my mind, we have a one-game sample size, but the offense looked just so smooth, uh, even more so. I mean, we all knew that in 2020, had the tournament not been canceled, Kansas would have been the number one overall seed. In Ken Palm, there was a pretty big difference in, in rating between them and, and whoever the second-best team in the nation was. So that was a really dominant Kansas team. But that team still relied a lot on Yudoka Azubuki. This team has so many scoring threats that, yeah, if Dave isn't, you know, if you can just grab, what do you get, 10 against Michigan State? He had, uh, I don't know, I know he went 4 of 11 if you can, shooting. If you can grab 12 points from David yeah. Cormick, you're in a good, good spot with the way these guards can score. I think so good de I mean, defensively, I think, is where he really needs to uh, really, you know, focus where, you know, Focus his, his um, skills, focus what he's, he's going after, I guess. Yeah, they scored, Very poor way of me to put that. They scored 87 points with David McCormick going 4 of 11, who you could have argued last year was their most important piece to get the offense going. I think that shows the depth and, and all the continued pieces. Like I said, not worried about that performance from David all. It was a good defensive team. Things happen, but if you do have a bad offensive game against Tarleton State, there will be questions about, oh, no, is this the same as last year? But uh, as long as the defense keeps keeping up, that's uh, as big as anything. The other thing I'm interested in tonight, how much more run do the depth pieces get? Um, you would imagine tonight should be a better opportunity for some of those guys. Like Zach Clements played four minutes all in the first half. He scored seven points. Bill Self was raving about him after the game, and yet he couldn't get into the second half. You're going to have those guys get in more in this game.
And I wonder, I'll be interested to see on that topic specifically, how much will he, will, will self play, will he intersperse deeper bench guys with starters or will it all kind of be uh, coming in as, as, as their own sort of lines? Like, will he play four, four bench guys and a starter at once or will it be like three and two, two and three? That'll be interesting to see. Like, if Clements comes in with four other starters, that'll be an interesting thing to look at. He's Adam Dravetta. I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017, 1320 KLWN. Brandon McAnderson joins us in about 20 minutes. Would you like to get involved in sponsoring Rock Chalk Sports Talk or the Best of RCST podcast? How about getting involved in some KU action or local high school sports? You can reach out to us, djohnson at gpmnow.com. That's djohnson at gpmnow.com, and we'll see what we can do to help out your business and get involved here in local sports. Welcome back into Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017-1320-KLWN. Again, KU basketball today on KLWN, pregame 530, tip-off at 7 o'clock. And uh, lots of football action this weekend, too. We got KU football tomorrow, Chiefs on Sunday. We got high school football tonight. I'll be traveling down to Derby here in a little bit for that one. Hank Booth will be over at uh, Manhattan High School for that one, and you can hear all that action over on 92.9 The Bull and bull929.com. Um, what do you think is more likely this weekend, Adam? KU covering against Texas. Last I saw it is a 30-point spread, and I'll I'll try to double-check that if it's affected, but you know it'll be around there. Um, KU covering against Texas or the Chiefs beating the Raiders? What do you view as more likely? Oh, the Chiefs. I, th- I still think, you know, the Chiefs are, um, like, it, it wouldn't, st- I don't, I wouldn't pick this to happen, but it wouldn't stun me if the Chiefs go 5-1 and one in the division this year and, and just kind of wake up and, uh, and, and we're sitting here in December going, wow, look at this team. So I would say that's more likely. I just really don't know that KU is at a point right now with its talent that it mm-hmm. can match much of anything. Um, but what is it, 30 points you it's said? It's up to 31 now. Yeah, so that I mean, you're looking at like 41 to 10 or something like that. Texas, we know, can put up huge points. Uh, and I just don't know if Kansas can, you know, will ever have, will this year will have the firepower to match Texas is, is struggling by Texas standards, but man, they can score. So I, I think that that'll be that'll play a huge role in why I think it, give me the Chiefs. So I actually may pick that anyway. Um, but yeah, I, I'd, I'd say the Chiefs winning is more likely. Would there be a certain plateau that it would cross with like the point spread where you would change your mind there? Like if it was like forty points. Uh, yeah. Because um, here's the thing: as as much as and I. I think I agree with you, but like Texas has lost four straight. They're four and five. This has not been a great football team. And to your point, yes, they put up a lot of big points. We've talked about that a lot this week. Um, put up fifty-eight on Rice. They put up seventy on Texas Tech. They put up forty-eight on Oklahoma. Uh, but the last couple of weeks, they've slowed down a little bit. Twenty-four against Oklahoma State. Now, albeit that's one of the best defenses in the country. Twenty-four on Baylor. Again, another good defense. Seven against Iowa State. Another good defense, but. They've been slowed down a little bit, and the defensive side of the ball has not been good for Texas so far this season. You have 40 to Arkansas, 35 to Texas Tech, uh, 55 to Oklahoma, over 30 to Oklahoma State, over 30 to Baylor, 30 to Iowa State. I think there's a real chance KU could get to 20 points in this game. I'll add this. We learned against Oklahoma that KU knows that if it's going to stay in a game, it's going to be because they have long, methodical drives Mm -hmm. offensively, which will take time off the board for Texas to score, but they've, they've shown at least at some point this year, the ability to score really, you know, 
in spurts and, and real quick pops. Uh, I don't know, 40 points maybe. I might <laughs> lean that. I, I think the Chiefs, um, yeah, you give me 40, I'll take KU. And cover. the Chiefs are favored by two and a half in that game. So it's it's not quite a pick em, but it's it's getting closer to there. With with KU, it's like you said, how much can you prevent their, their offense? Bajan Robinson, one of the best running backs in the country. You've had issues tackling people all season long, really outside of maybe the Oklahoma game. Um, to where if that continues to be an issue, Bajon Robinson might have 300 all-purpose yards. Like, that is not necessarily, uh, I mean, it's a little bit of hyperbole, but honestly, it might not be if you have trouble tackling. Um, I just think, I think KU actually, I, I actually am leaning towards picking KU with the spread. Um, and I actually, 30, yeah, we'll have our game picks with the Chiefs and the Raiders. I think I'm actually leaning that way. I think I'm leaning that it's more likely KU covers the 31 points than the Chiefs win. I just think the fact that, the Texas defense hasn't been great this season. They've given up some big point totals. I think there's a real chance that KU can get 17, 24 points in this game. And the defense, yes, it has been bad for KU. If you can get to 24 points, I mean, Texas might score 55, but they're having quarterback issues right now. I don't know if it'll be a rotation of guys. Hudson Card and Casey Thompson have been inconsistent. I think there's a real chance, and especially you factor in the fact that they have been close these past handful of games. I like KU to cover that spread, and the Chiefs, I'm not 100% sure that they're going to win that game. The Raiders played them really well last year. The Raiders went into Arrowhead and won that game in Kansas City. The game that was down in Las Vegas um, was a game where the Chiefs had to get a touchdown from Patrick Mahomes, if you remember. I think it was Travis Kelsey. Travis Kelsey, wide open wide in the end zone. Yeah. yeah, and when we say wide open, like wide High open. school wide open. Yes, in the back of the end zone with under a minute to go, and they end up winning that game. But they were both close games, and, I mean, on aggregate, I think the Raiders might have, I guess, won the series last year. I like this Raiders team. This year, I know they're coming off a bad loss to the Giants. Um, I'm just still not sold with with what the Chiefs are doing. I think the the Raiders are approaching nosedive territory. Mm-hmm. I think they're falling apart at the seams, and I think this game is going to continue that, and I think in a few weeks they're going to be sitting at 4-8. and eight. Or five, five and eight, whatever they are now. I, I don't. They're five and three. Yeah, I think they're going to be sitting at about five and eight here in five weeks. Hmm. I, I just, I think this Raiders team is, 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 is well on the way to just falling right off the tracks. Well, it's what they've done the past couple of years, so it wouldn't be that crazy for that to happen at all. I just, I, I have more faith in this Raiders team this year. I don't know why. I just do, but. You might be on to something there. Um, so we'll see what happens this weekend with that. Now, as far as if I were to ask you what would have a bigger impact to like that specific team? Oh, the Chiefs it, winning. Chiefs winning? Yeah. I no, I, it, I don't mean cover. I mean a KU win or oh, a Chiefs win. Still a Chiefs win. Yeah. Because well, because it, it would just mean less. What, but I mean, you, it, it would be huge for the program. Uh, but I still, you know, I, I don't know. I, I, I guess it, it would be a big story. Like, But if KU comes away... Let me put it this way. I think the Chiefs mounting a real playoff run would be bigger than KU going two and ten, even with the memory of a win in Austin. I, I you know. Well, for my wallet, I would probably prefer the KU one, that's for sure. Um Oh, did you bet the one and a half? Yeah, yeah. So I, I know where I would lean with that. Um because you can make the case, here's the thing with the Chiefs. Like you lose that game. You know, if if they beat the Cowboys the week after, we talked about before the Packers game. If you go two and one in this stretch of three, 
you're feeling okay about it. Yeah. Right? You said that that's still in front of you. Certainly a win here would make you feel really good, especially when you combine it with like, again, teams in the AFC just basically like not wanting to take a stranglehold besides the Titans. The Ravens lose last night to the Talk Dolphins. Talk about a purple poo. That Ravens <laughs> right? performance. Yeah, the Baltimore poo, purple poo. That is no longer a Tarleton State thing. Like, that just keeps happening in the AFC, and it makes you feel like, oh my gosh, this is a lot more open than we thought. So a win over the Raiders to get your first divisional win, it's only their second try at it, of the season. And that's the other thing here. Um, I think the Chiefs are 3-0 and against NFC opponents, which means they are, what, 2-4 and against AFC opponents. The tiebreaker, if you haven't played head-to-head with somebody in the AFC for the playoffs, is AFC record. So that could come into play. You need to start winning some of these AFC games. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. and, and and you've got in front of you, you you what you got what you hope are two wins against the Broncos. Um, you've got a winnable game. I think the Chiefs are a better team than the Raiders. You've got what I think is a winnable game in Las Vegas. Um, I'm trying to think who. I mean the Chargers, but a non-divisional AFC opponent they have left on their schedule. Do they still play Cincinnati? Yeah, they've at Cincinnati. I want to say it's Week 17, and maybe Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh at the end of the year. Yeah, I don't so know the, if they have anybody else. Um. Uh, no, I, well, who have they, have they played the AFC South yet? Um, Titans. Titans yet. Yeah, they've played the AFC East. That's the Bills. They have the whole AFC North. We just talked about that. Yeah, they might. So they might be done. Running that out might of be time. It. Yeah. yeah. So that is important. So they've got their five. They've got their five division games and their two AFC North games mm-hmm. left. Uh, so they have seven AFC games left. And that's kind of what you have to juggle here with this question. It's the fact that, you know, if KU wins this game, it's it's it, it, like it has no impact on them making a bowl game or anything like that. Whereas with the Chiefs, it directly has an impact on their ability or to be in a better position to make the playoffs. But also for KU, where you're at, if you beat Texas again, like just the the public, uh, I guess, attention that's going to be put on that of all the jokes about KU beat Texas again, like that's going to be fun. Um just, how how it happens? The program be, win, yeah. yeah. How it happens would be huge. I mean, look, I, I was excited after that win over Texas in 2016, but man, Texas turned the ball over like six times, I think, and one of them was in overtime. Maybe it was five turnovers. Mm-hmm. But either way, Kansas won by a field goal in overtime, and Texas had at least five turnovers, one of which came on their drive. In six, overtime. I think. So, I mean, if, if KU actually comes in and wins in what I would call a more legitimate fashion. Um, that would be that would be a lot of fun. I'll say I still think it's bigger for the Chiefs because they have uh, postseason aspirations. But uh, man, that that would be a lot of fun. Yeah, and the question becomes like, how much does one win help build a program? Certainly, we've seen KU beat other Big Twelve teams, and it hasn't led to momentum down the road. But does that change because it's year one with Lance Leipold, and you're trying to gain all of that buy-in and forward momentum? I I don't know. I think I would lean the Chiefs, but I, I don't think it's crazy if you said. KU is your answer there. All right, with Adam Dravetta, I'm Derek Johnson, Cole Cedabutar. We'll have our game picks coming up in about 30 minutes from right now. But coming up next, Brandon McAnderson, former Jayhawk Orange Bowl winning running back, a member of the Jayhawk Radio Network, joins us and talks KU football. This is RCST. That time on a Friday here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk, joined now by Brandon McAnderson, former KU Orange Bowl winning running back, member of the Jayhawk Radio Network. Uh, BMAC, before we get into things here, are, are we officially beefing? As a Miami Heat fan, I, I, I'm a Denver Nuggets fan. I, I'm sorry, BMAC, but I am taking the Jokic brothers in a fight against the Morris Twins. Same. Okay. I'm, taking, I'm taking the Jokic brothers. <laughs> what did you think about that whole whole ordeal? 
I don't understand. I mean, Jokic is the MVP of the league, and you shouldn't be able to do that to the MVP of the league. All due respect to Marquise, but, uh, you know, Marquise is a role player. So he should be able to, you know, claim his title. Like, hey, I'm the man in this league. You don't do that kind of stuff to me. So I didn't like the initial action and then the, you know, the second action. He hit him from behind, but he shouldered him. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't crazy trying to charge him, but much to do about nothing for me. Yeah, that was just kind of classic, like, NBA drama, I thought. Um, you know, if that happens in the 90s, like, it's just another storyline, you know, or it's just kind of passed over. I, I think the funniest right. part to me was the Jokic brothers things on Twitter, and then you had the Heat players, like, with the picture where they're being guarded off by – I thought it was a security guard, but I guess it was actually, like, the – I don't know, somebody in the front office for the Miami Heat? Like, that whole thing was just kind of a wild storyline. Yeah, those guys, if there was no one there, it just would have been a bunch of jawing. I mean, they don't they don't really want to fight. <laughs> right. Yeah, you're going to get suspended too much, lose too many game checks. Uh, but I do want to talk KU football, despite all of that going on. Um, how, how much of a deflating moment is it uh, last week when, when you lose two quarterbacks to get injured uh, like, how much does that kind of affect a sideline? Quite a bit. I mean, you know, you're, especially with Dean, you know, being such a, you know, a leader on the offense. I mean, his good games have been synonymous with the team's good games. So there's some morality tied to that, you know, like the morale boost when he plays well. Well, now he's out. And then you bring in Kendrick. Kendrick's the team captain. You know, he's been here for four he's been here for years and years. He comes in, makes a good play, he's down. So now, you know, you're going to a guy that I think a lot of them believe in. I know I still do, in Jalen Daniel. Um, but this guy doesn't get to practice with the offense that much. You know, he he probably spends half his time with the scout team, half his time, you know, getting some snaps behind Kendrick. But to to have that kind of deflating moment kind of take away from what they had planned to do. I know that hurt them quite a bit. I mean, how close do you think the, I guess, level of play is between what Jalen Daniels and Jason Bean can provide? Really close. I, I don't think there's a, I don't think there's barely any separation. And from what I've heard, I mean, I hate to be the what I've heard guy because I'm not a journalist. <laughs> but, you know, Daniels had a pretty good sense of, was in position to win that job. Like, they believe in. He's someone I definitely believe in. I just think he has arm talent that is out here in the program. And then running wise, he's not got doesn't have the high end speed of Dean, but has a lot more wiggle and elusiveness and you know how to. So he's someone I have a lot of confidence in. I don't think there will be a drop at all. Well, well, something we've been talking about on the show this week is like what has more value for the long term because obviously at this point, like it is more about the long term, and you still want to win for the seniors and everything. So I don't want to discount that. Um, but uh, with Jalen Daniels specifically, like if if Jason Bean either can't go due to injury or if they just view Jalen Daniels as a better option, whatever it is, uh, Jalen can only play, I believe, one more game while still retaining the red shirt, which was the initial plan. What do you think would help more in, I guess, building momentum both at the position or for you as a, as a player? Would it be having an extra full year of play 
to where you get an extra year when you are an upperclassman by taking the red shirt? Or would it be having, let's say, if he does have to burn the red shirt and play, say, these final three games, but performs well enough that it gives you a little bit of momentum heading into the offseason, what do you think would have a bigger long-term, I guess, boost to Jalen Daniels in the KU quarterback position? So I think it's in the best interest of Jalen Daniels to have that year, to have that full year back. But I don't see that as, I see that as being in conflict with everything that Coach Leifold and even Travis Goff have been trying to build uh, publicly, is that winning is the most important thing, and winning now is the most important thing. And I don't think that's like a – I don't think it's like a slogan to them. I don't think it's coach speak. I think this is what they really mean. Winning and competing is the most important thing. Jalen Daniels not redshirting and finishing the season, if he gives them the best chance to compete, is the best thing for the team. I know there's only three games remaining. However, they've got to build something now, especially with all the uncertainty surrounding everything in college sports. I think they need to compete now, and if he gives them the best chance, he should play. KU taking on Texas tomorrow with kickoff at 6.30, pregame at 5 o'clock here on KLWN and our sister station, 105.9 KISS. Uh, the series has been close over the last handful. I mean, in the last four you have the KU win, and then I think the average score of the games favors Texas by five points. Uh, so it, it's been a very close series, and the last time they played was 2019 down in Austin, a game that KU almost pulled off an upset. Uh, KU has 22 guys from the state of Texas on their roster, which is more than the guys they have from the state of Kansas, but it's it's not just that. It's also that a lot of their guys from the state of Texas, you think about you know Jason Bean or Kyron Johnson, you go on and on down the list, are guys that are contributing at a high level for this team. And, and I just wonder, like in the same conversations we had last week about how much can you value if you're a player that kind of in-state matchup if – Kansas State has over 50 guys on the team from the state, and Kansas has under 20, but only a handful are playing. Does that go the other way in a game like this? Like, could that be a reason why KU has played Texas so close in recent years? The fact that maybe you have kind of that extra edge from some of your key players who are from the state, but maybe didn't get recruited by University of Texas? I think so. I think it's a, it can make a difference. I don't know if that was the difference, you know, in these last couple matchups. As much as I think we just matched up well with them in those matchups and, and played well in those games, that Texas game down in Austin, like that was no fluke. You know, that was Kansas answering the bell on offense with every opportunity. So, you know, that that team had a good offensive season and that game was kind of, a you know, their flagship moment for that season. Now, I don't know if I can attribute that just to, you know, the players from Texas, you know, having an opportunity to play at home. But I will say these guys have competed all season. And if if they start to feel confident early on, they can compete with anyone. They showed that against OU. And I think Texas will be no different. If they can stay in the game and have some positive things happen early, I don't see any reason why they won't be able to give the same type of performance. We're talking with Brandon McAnderson here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. How much fun have you had watching tape of Bijan Robinson? Man, he is—he's um, something else. I—I'm almost caught between. You know, I know we get into like comparisons, 
and he has actually gotten to the point where I don't know. He's not a perfect match comparison for anyone I've seen. So I, I usually, when I see guys like that, I put them in kind of a one-of-a-kind category. He's got some elements of Saquon Barkley in terms of top-end speed and power, but it has a, like an elusive profile of like a Reggie Bush. Mm. So, I mean, he is he's as good as it gets. I don't think I've ever seen him get tackled one-on-one this season. He's special. Okay, so you've now seen, I mean, I think all of the, the top Big 12 running backs in person except for Bijan, but you've seen film of getting ready for, for the game this week. So um, between, I guess, Brees Hall, Deuce Vaughn, I don't know if you put anybody for Oklahoma out there, Bijan Robinson, Devin Neal, like h- how would you rank kind of the, the top running backs in the Big 12? Well, I think it's Bijan Robinson just because he's been incredibly special. Uh, Brees Hall is a strong number two and a first-round pick in my eye. Uh, he's been a little more banged up this year, um, but he's been excellent. And then Deuce Vaughn, as like a, I mean, I was Deuce Vaughn blew me away. He was impressive. You know, he has the thing that's special about him is how the game has changed. You know, to where Sproles was an eye back. You know that they used in some screen stuff, but. They didn't often just line him up at receiver and run routes with him, you know. And I think that I think that's something he could have done because obviously he did in the NFL. But to see Deuce Vaughn be so good at it right now, I thought that was really special. Just his combination of speed and power. And I'll be uh, interested in seeing Deshaun Robinson, and I'll be interested in seeing our guy too, because number four is getting better every week, and he's having, you know, usually freshman running backs that play as much as he does start to hit this physical wall. He doesn't look like he's in the physical wall to me. He looks more explosive this week than he uh, last week than he did earlier in the season against Duke. Is there something on the offensive end that maybe you see in, in doing research for the game or watching Texas that you see that KU might be able to exploit offensively in this game? Yeah, I think the kind of the what's been interesting to me the last two weeks. So KU had that really good game against OU and. Oklahoma State came out, and they played Kansas really honest. They played their safeties at normal depth. You know, they didn't bring a bunch of pressure. They didn't load up the box. They played them really honest. And Kansas didn't perform well in that game. So you fast forward to K-State. K-State did the same thing. K-State played them really honest. You know, five and six-man boxes. They had some edge pressures, but not excessive. What I would like to see is the O-line play better. You know, that's been a group that's been up and down, and I don't think that they've played bad by any stretch, but they need to put together a performance similar to OU, similar to Duke, to where they're taking care of stuff and getting hat on a hat. And I think that can happen this week. Texas is not a, a lockdown defense. You know, they have shown the ability to play good defense. They did last week against Iowa State. But they're not, you know, all-world on defense. So I think they can take advantage of that. And if Kansas gets those same type of looks, you know, that they've been getting the last couple of weeks that are basically saying, we're going to play you honest, we respect all your weapons, and that offensive line has to start um, performing to the level they are capable. What about on the other side of the ball? We mentioned Bajan Robinson, but overall the Texas offense, you know, they have some big games, like the 70 points they put on against Texas Tech or the big game against Oklahoma. But then last week they put up just, what, seven points in, in the loss to Iowa State, and now they're having – 
uh, maybe kind of a quarterback controversy. They've already switched quarterbacks at, at one point this season. Um, so what have you seen from the Texas offense that's going to make it difficult, and what have you seen that maybe Kansas might find some success in? Well, I hate to keep going back to that OU game, but if you're just talking about things that are takeaways, was one of the reasons they were in that game is because they tackled so well. And since that game, they've been more like they were before that game. They just missed a lot of tackles against the Wildcats, and they've got to shake that off and get back to playing with fundamentals because if they don't, that B. John Robinson will do whatever he wants, whatever he wants. They have got to tackle. He's the hardest guy to tackle. Uh, Quarterback-wise, they're not strong at that position. Thompson had some good moments. Uh, the Hudson Card kid has been, you know, he's obviously a talented kid, but he's done nothing consistently well. So, I mean, they don't. it's not a position that scares you, but it's a capable position. So you got to take care of your business, tackle, and contain Robinson. You know, they do have, I like Xavier Worthy on the outside, a freshman. So it's not like they don't have other weapons because he was awesome against OU and he's had a couple other big games. So they they present a lot of problems, but it all centers around Robinson. All right, we're talking with Brandon McAnderson here of the Jayhawk Radio Network, former Jayhawk Orange Bowl winning running back. You can hear him pregame 5 o'clock and uh, KU kickoff at Texas at 6.30 here on KLWN. Uh, let's get on to some game picks. You are 48-46 and 46 on the year, 27-23 and 23 in college football, including 3-2 and two last week. First up, number 6, Michigan, is giving up a point and a half. They're playing at Penn State. Oh, I like Michigan. How would you feel if you were a player on Michigan State and they just got ranked below Michigan despite beating them two weeks ago? See, this has been this has been my primary issue with the committee. It's not what they're doing with Alabama because Alabama and Georgia on a collision course, and you know the committee is going to make every concession to keep Alabama in the mix, mm-hmm. and that's just the way the sport has been. But the way they've treated the Big Ten has been strange to me. I don't understand what the difference is between Michigan and Ohio State. I don't understand what the difference is between Michigan State and Ohio State. They all should be right neck and neck. There's no difference, but they treat Ohio State as a superior for no apparent reason. Um, so that's a little frustrating. But other than that, I don't, I don't get it. And hopefully, these all these guys all play each other and play themselves out. Yeah, I think the ESPN like strength of record, which calculates like how difficult it would be to get to your record. Um, has them actually like below Michigan and so forth. It just, I, I just don't understand. Like, uh, they have the same record. They literally beat you two weeks ago. Like, at some point, the results do have to matter. This isn't just a, you know, oh, who I think is going to be best. Because guess what? We get picks wrong all the time. Uh, number eight, Oklahoma is minus five and a half. They're playing at number thirteen, Baylor. Ooh, I like that. I like OU. Number 19, Purdue, is at number four, Ohio State. The Buckeyes are giving up 21 points. Purdue's been something, something in the water up there, Purdue. Um, I think they'll keep it under 21. Number 11, Texas A&M, is giving up two and a half points. They're playing at number 15, Ole Miss. I can't figure either one of these teams out, but I know A&M's got a lot of studs, so I'll go with a and Number 16, NC State, is at number 12, Wake Forest. The Demon Deacons are giving up two points. I'm going to go with Dave Dorn in the, in the Wolfpack. All right, on to the NFL. You are 21-23 and 23 on the year. I think a good majority of those losses have come with you betting on the Chiefs so far this season. Atlanta is yeah. at Dallas. The Cowboys are giving up nine points. I like the Cowboys. 
New Orleans is at Tennessee. The Titans are giving up three. I like Tennessee. Cleveland is playing at New England. Patriots are minus two and a half. I like New England. Are you buying into the idea that the Browns are a better team without Odell? I mean, so this always seems to happen. But last week, everybody was like, see, look. But <laughs> Baker Mayfield completed six passes to wide receivers in that game. I mean, it's, 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 he can't throw the ball outside. It's like not a good fit. And Odell's moody. So, I mean, it's, I think that's another thing that we've talked about way too much. Until the Browns actually make it and, and make some noise in the playoffs, I don't want to have these conversations anymore. Seattle is at Green Bay. I believe the return of Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers. Packers are giving up three and a half. I like Green Bay. And all right, we're going back to the Kansas City. Well, they're taking on your Las Vegas Raiders on Sunday night football. Chiefs are giving up two and a half points. Man, I don't know what to make the Raiders are all mentally beat down. I think the Raiders are a better team, but they're, I, I don't know, they got a lot going on. But I'm going to go with the Raiders because that's, that's how I live my life. Las Vegas, baby. All right, there we go. That is Game Picks with BMAC. Thank you so much for the time, as always, man. Have a good Friday, and uh, hear you on the call tomorrow. Hey, ready to see them chesty Lions get a victory. There we go. Hopefully we get a city showdown in the uh, sub-state final. Please. That'd be pretty cool. My brother's coaching over there for the Firebirds. Want to see them get one, too. Yep, there we go. All right, BMAC, thank you so much, man. Thanks for having me. All right, that was Brandon McAnderson, former KU Orange Bowl winning running back, member of the Jayhawk Radio Network, joining us here on the show as he does every Friday. That's going to do it for the first hour of the show. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Adam Dravetta, Cole C. DeButar. I'm Derek Johnson on FM 1017, 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Welcome back in 4 o'clock hour. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN with Cole C. DeButar, Adam Dravetta. I'm Derek Johnson. On RCST, I am going to take off after this segment for Derby, for the Free State Derby game. That'll be on Bowl929.com. The Lawrence High game will be played on 92.9 FM over there, but not on the stream for that one. And then we'll be out early for RCST at 5.30 for pregame coverage with KU Tarleton State and the Purple Poo at 7 o'clock for tip-off between KU and Tarleton State. All right, so let's get to our game picks. Adam, go ahead and hit the music. Adam is 35 and 24 on the year overall. I am 55 and 39. BMAC, who we had earlier, is 48 and 46. Cole, you're a game below 500 again, 39 and 40. We start in college football. Adam's 18 and 12. Number six, Michigan, minus a point and a half at Penn State. Wow. That feels like a Vegas knows something line. Um, yeah, I, I guess give me Penn State just because that feels weird. I feel like Michigan should be favored by more. Um, so I guess give me the Nittany Lions. Cole, you are sixteen and twenty four in college football. Who are I you know going I'm with? terrible, so I'm gonna I'm gonna keep making bad decisions. Um, I haven't watched a ton of Penn State games, but the games that I've watched them have they felt they've looked good. Uh, so it is a little bit interesting to me though that they're uh, favored in this situation. Uh, I think I'm going to go. Well, they're a dog. It's just by yeah, a yeah, point. Yeah, yeah, by, right? by like a point, point yeah. and a half. Was that what it was? Yeah. Yeah. So I, th- I think I am going to go Penn State. Okay. I am going to go Penn State as well. By the way, I'm 27 and 23 in college football. 
I uh, I don't think these two teams are that far off. I think Penn State should be ranked. Quite honestly, I don't know why they're not. They're six and three, and like they beat Auburn, who is in the top twenty, and um, they almost beat Ohio State, and they beat Wisconsin, who is in the top twenty. I I don't understand why they're not ranked, but that's another discussion for another day. Uh, number six, Michigan is a team who can run the ball really well, play good defense. I don't trust their passing game. I think Penn State can beat them, especially on their home field. Number eight, Oklahoma is giving up five and a half points. They're at number 13, Baylor. Uh, give me the Sooners. I think the Sooners are kind of humming right now. I think they're angry about their playoff position. Um, yeah, give me the Sooners minus the points. Uh, I think we am going to take the Bears here. Uh, I, I feel like Oklahoma is... Probably not the best team in the Big 12, so uh, I think I'm going to go Baylor here. I have just kind of been waiting for the other shoe to drop with Oklahoma and them to lose a game. This might be the spot. At the very least, Baylor's played them close in recent memory. I think I've taken Baylor with the five and a half. I, I still don't know if they're going to lose the game, but Oklahoma's been playing with fire, man, and, and it feels like it could happen at any point in time. So I'll take the Bears there with the five and a half. Number 19, Purdue is at number four, Ohio State, giving up 21 points. Wait, we reword that? Ohio number 19, State's Purdue is at number point. four. Ohio State giving up 21 points. So Ohio State's the yes. one giving up points. Correct. Okay. Um, yeah, it's it's in Columbus. Um, I guess a quick, I guess a, a real, now, yeah, give me the Buckeyes. I can see them winning by about 24, 42 to 17, something like that. I think those kids are all pumped up. Right. Which you know, ones? Uh, the the Purdue kids. They're, they're, they're king slayers now, right? Like, that's that's what they think they are. And uh, maybe they aren't. Maybe they're going to get – maybe they're going to lose. But I don't think they're going to lose by, you know, more than 20 points. So I'm going to go Purdue. I'm going Purdue as well, and I'm a little scared because you're coming off of a high moment in the game against uh, Michigan State where – it'd be easy to have a letdown the week after. I just think this is way too many points, and it does scare me as well that Purdue has had these giant killing moments when they've been unranked, right? Like, that's... I think they have 17 wins against top five opponents in the AP when they're unranked, which is like six more than anybody else in college football history. So now they're ranked. That goes away. I just... I think 21's too much. I... I think Ohio State is being overrated. Um, you heard BMAC saying, you know, I don't really know the difference between Ohio State, Michigan State, and Michigan. Like, Ohio State's best win is is Penn State, who's unranked, although I, I think they should be ranked. But it's not like they have beaten an elite team right now. And if you look at, like, ESPN's strength of record, Ohio State is worse than some of these other teams or has, you know, a, a lower ranking in that regard. Um, so I, ju I just think this is too many points. I'm taking Purdue to cover the spread, even though I think Ohio State wins the game. Number 11, Texas A&M is giving up two and a half points. They're at number 15, Ole Miss. Um, oh, I think Ole Miss wins outright. So if you're giving me oh, – Ole Miss is getting points, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think they win if they're getting points even more so. So, yeah, give me the Rebels. Yeah, I'm going Ole Miss here too. Uh, I've liked the way that they've played, and Texas A&M is not uh, an inspiring team to bet for, I would say. I'm going with Texas A&M. I have fully come – around on where the Aggies are since their early season struggles. They were not good early in the year. They figured it out offensively, and that was the big key because the defense has been good all season long for them. They have a ton of pros on that roster, and I kind of, like, this would be a crazy scenario, but it is actually, like, a real possibility. Alabama still plays, I think, at Auburn, which could be a losable game. I think they still play Arkansas. If Alabama loses one of their last 
couple SEC games and A&M wins out, A&M makes it to the SEC title game. And weird to just say. <laughs> it is. And if A&M were to beat Georgia, despite having two losses, I feel pretty confidently that they would still make the playoff. I don't know what that has to do with this, but I just think A&M is, is turning the corner at the right time. I really like A&M uh, minus the two and a half points here. Uh, number 16, NC State, is at number 12, Wake Forest. Demon Deacons coming off their first loss of the year. They're giving up two. Uh, I'll take Wake Forest in this one. I, I don't know that either team is that far ahead of the other, but I, I think Wake Forest wins, and I think by it's by at least a field goal, so Wake Forest. Yeah, I think I'm going to go the opposite way on that. Um, Wake Forest is – is this at Wake Forest? Yes. Uh yeah, I'm still gonna I'm still gonna bet against Wake Forest here. Okay, I'll go with the Fighting Dave Dorns as well. NC State. I just think they're a more complete football team. Wake Forest really good offensively. Defense leaves a lot to be desired. Uh, my lock of the week got back on the winning train last week. Take the unders in those uh, Service Academy games. Up to eight and two on the year. Cincinnati minus twenty three. That's a game tonight. They're playing at South Florida. I think they're due for a big win. They haven't had a big win in a while. South Florida is not good at all. So give me Cincy minus 23 at USF. On to the NFL. Adam, you're 17 and 12. Cole, you're 23 and 16. I'm 28 and 16. Adam, Atlanta at Dallas. The Cowboys are giving up nine points off that stinker against the Broncos. Um, Dak looks to be back. Although, isn't Atlanta like five and four? They're kind of coming Yeah, they're on. creeping up. It's, it's, in, it's in Dallas, you said. Mm-hmm. Nine points. I'd feel a lot better about picking Atlanta if it were 10, but I'll still take Atlanta in the points. Yeah, um, Atlanta's game last week was weird. Uh, They almost blew a big lead over the Saints, but they managed to pull it out. Matt Ryan looked really, really good um, when he wasn't getting absolutely creamed by Demario Davis. So I think I'm actually pretty uh, comfortable with picking the Falcons here. I don't want them to win, notably, but uh, I think that they can at the very least cover, uh, if not just win outright. What do you care about the Falcons winning? Well, I'm a Saints fan. Oh, all right, that makes sense. I am going to go Atlanta as well. And this is one of those where sometimes when I don't really know a side to pick, I'll, I'll try to figure out, like, what is Vegas trying to do here? Um, sometimes Vegas will cover or not cover key numbers. So, like, what you said with the 10 points – they're not covering the 10 points. And that would immediately make you think, oh, yeah, Dallas could win by 10 because that's a common score to win by. So the nine points makes me think they're trying to get you to take Dallas. I'm taking Atlanta, going with the Falcons for no other reason than trying to investigate the mind of Vegas. New Orleans is at Tennessee. The Titans are giving up three points. Oh, that's a tough one, but I really like Tennessee, man. I'll say this. I'm bothered. I'm I'm. I'm bothered by the the way the Rams game because they dominated that game, but they were so helped along on on with turnovers. Um, I like Tannehill, but I, I I have to admit I did watch that game going. Boy, their offense is not inspiring me very much. Yeah, Adrian Peterson um, had like ten carries for twenty yards. Yeah, it's and, but everyone was making such a big. Oh my God, he's back! <laughs> I remember that they, he scored a touchdown. Yeah. And they're, oh, this guy Adrian Peterson, and he's back. I'm like, he's got two yards to carry. He just farted and got the half yard he needed <laughs> to power his way into the end zone. Uh, but anyway, um, I'm still taking the Titans. Mm. Yeah, that's a wild line. Alvin Kamara hasn't practiced like all week. Mm. Like I think he's a game time decision and Trevor Simeon is the quarterback. L- listen, again, big Saints guy. I chalked this one as a as a loss the moment Jameis Winston went down. Okay? <laughs> like this is this is a tough tough game. 
the secondary uh, played mm, somewhere between awful and terrible last week. So I, I feel like three is really tight line for a game that I don't think will be that close. So I think I'm going to go with the Titans, uh, no matter how much it hurts me to do so. I am going to go with New Orleans. Um, I just like the Saints and the fact that Taysom Hill could, I don't know, I, I would hope that he starts to get more run than Trevor Simeon. Just at least see what it's about. It can't be that much worse. But I don't know. I think the Saints defense comes out with a big game. Like you said, I'm not overly inspired by the Titans offense. If Trevor Simeon or Taysom Hill or whoever can put up 20 points, like there's a there's a real chance that they can hold the Titans down under that without Derrick Henry. So I'm going to go with New Orleans in a, a bit of an upset here. Cleveland, is that New England? The Patriots are giving up two and a half. Um... I think the Patriots are kind of rolling right now. So, I think mean, Nick Chubb's back, I guess. Cleveland seems to be playing inspired football. You know what? Cleveland's playing some good football since they lost Odell Beckham, but I kind of think Patriots are finding themselves a little bit, and I think they'll wind up being a wild card team. So, give me New England. Yeah, I'm going to take Cleveland here. In fact, like I think the fact that New England is favored is wild. I would take Cleveland by seven. Like I would 100% do that. Um so yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan of Cleveland uh, this week. I thought they played great last week, and that's gonna you know push them forward into this game. Battle of the Lands. Whoever wins this game, they have to reset the other city name. So it'd either be New Cleveland or I don't know, Cleveland, England, something like that. Uh, I'm gonna go with Cleveland. They're getting two and a half points, and I think it'll be a close game. I don't I don't know if it'll end up with two. That's not a you know common score. Usually use like three or whatever. Um, I'll take the Browns because of the fact that I've kind of harped the fact that they're better without Odell Beckham. I think that Baker Mayfield's just a much better quarterback without him for whatever reason. Um, I think they go on the road and, and get this win. People are starting to kind of rise high on New England. I still think they're a solid team, but I don't think I, I want to put them in that like contenders category yet, and it feels like we're kind of headed that way, maybe a little too fast. Seattle is at Green Bay. The Packers are giving up three and a half points. Um, I don't like saying it because I'm pretty opposed to everything Aaron Rodgers did, but I do think the Packers kind of rally around here, and I think they win by quite a bit. Um, you know, Aaron Rodgers, uh, ten days out, so he's come. He came back today, then. Yeah, that's interesting to me. Like, I, I think that that could cause some issues in this game. Him being out for so long, uh, ten days is you know a super long time in in, in some. In some senses. So I think I'm going to go Seattle here. Well, Russell Wilson is supposed to be back for the Packers. I think Chris Carson's a game time decision. So they could get some nice boosts. I just, I think the Packers are, are a better team and I'll, I'll take Green Bay minus three and a half. Uh, I, I think there is something to be said too. Like, I think some of the guys, like the way it's handled, not necessarily in terms of whether they are with or against Rodgers in terms of the vaccination stuff. I think some guys in that locker room will view this as a rallying point just to say like, oh, everybody's crucifying our quarterback. Like, let's rally around him, whether they agree or disagree with it. I think that might happen to this Green Bay team. And uh, I'm going to take the Packers here. Last one, Sunday Night Football. Kansas City is giving up two and a half. They're out Las Vegas. I, am. I think the Chiefs win. I think uh, the defense kind of continues what they are. I think Chris Jones being back in the middle um, makes things difficult on uh, Derek Carr. I think a big question will be if the the uh, the Raiders defensive coordinator, whose name I forget, seems to really, really, really love 
uh, playing man. If he's willing to get away from that, that will help the Raiders. Um, I don't know that he will. Uh, I know Derek Carr has performed well against Kansas City in the past, but uh, I think the Chiefs win, and if the spread is less than a field goal, I'll, I'll take the, the Kansas City Chiefs. You remember uh, a couple weeks in the season when Derek Carr looked like he was, you know, uh, the next Kurt Warner or something? That's Yeah, that kind of fell apart, didn't it? Uh, I, I really can't uh, buy into the Raiders after losing their coach, after losing Ruggs, so I'm going to go Chiefs. I'm going Las Vegas. Um, I know they had a bad week against the Giants. Well, the Chiefs had a bad week against the Giants a couple weeks ago, too. It's just the Chiefs found a way to squeak things out, which that does matter, um, but... I just see the way Las Vegas has played Kansas City. I still don't trust um, the defense enough. Like, it looks like they've improved. But let's see what they do against, you know, a more prolific quarterback than Daniel Jones and Jordan Love. And on top of that, I just – I I'm almost to a point where prove it to me with the offense uh, at this point to get back on track before I'm going to just buy in every week and say, okay, the offense should get it back on track. So for now, I'm I'm just going to go with Las Vegas in this one. All right, that is our game picks for the week. I'm Derek Johnson with Adam Dravetta, Colsey DeButar. Uh, That's going to do it for me. I'm going to take off. I'm heading down to uh, Derby High School for the Free State Derby game. Adam and Cole take over from here. See you guys. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. What's going on? Adam Dravetta in. Uh, you're used to hearing uh, Derek Johnson come back from breaks. Uh, he is on his way to Derby right now. Derek will be calling uh, Derby versus Free State High School tonight. The Firebirds taking on the Derby Panthers in the 6A state quarterfinals. Uh, both Lawrence High and Lawrence Free State continue their runs through the 6A playoffs. Uh, qu- quick programming note, uh, the the Broadcast locations of those will be a little different. The Jayhawks men's basketball team uh, will take on Tarleton State tonight at 7 p.m. Uh, the uh, That pregame will start at 5.30. Pregame and the game can be heard right here on KLWN 1320 and FM 1017. That moves the Lawrence High versus Manhattan game. Hank Booth will have that call. That moves that game to 92.9 FM, the Bowl. Uh, and then that will move the Free State versus Derby game to bowl929.com on an internet stream. Hank Booth will have Lawrence High. Derek Johnson will have Free State. And uh, you, you will there will be there will be no easy enough for me to say there will be no uh, high school pregame coverage uh, this week as a result of the uh, KU men's basketball game. So hope that uh, gets it squared away. I'm Adam Dravetta. I'm joined with Cole Cedabutar and Cole. Let's get going on your uh, your big three. I think this is the third week, uh, so it's it's officially a a real uh, a real segment now. Your your big big three for the NBA. I assume because you're a Celtics fan, it's named after the 2007 2008 Celtics. Um, so yeah, let's fire away. This is Cole's big three. All right, my big three for today, November twelfth, uh, number one. The Wizards and the Bulls are tied for first in the East at 8-3. Uh, the Bulls have picked up DeMar DeRozan in the offseason, and Zach Levine is playing like a legit all-star. Meanwhile, the Wizards are more of a hodgepodge. Uh, you have Bradley Beal as the team's best player, but you also have Kyle Kuzma, who's actually playing uh, fairly well. And the second leading scorer on the team, Montrez Harrell. Uh, really, really interesting lineup. So, Eight and three, tied for first place in the East. Is one of them a poser? Are both of them posers? How do you feel about them long term? 
Hmm. Where does a platypus learn a word like hodgepodge? Um, it's a line from one of my favorite all-time commercials. Gotcha. Um, I don't know that either of them are posers so much as I think Brooklyn and Philadelphia are kind of posing what they are, <laughs> if that makes sense. I, I don't think uh, Brooklyn is only half a game back of these two teams. Philadelphia is a full game back. Now, Philadelphia has some turmoil because Ben Simmons has been um, uh, annoying, I guess, is a nice way to put it. Uh, so uh, that, you know, that's relevant. Uh, but I, I think more the more likely scenario, now I don't think, you know, Washington or Chicago, either of them wind up with a 727 win percentage. So I guess you could chalk that. You could say they're both posers <laughs> Come on, in that sense. you don't sense. think that they're going to be one of the best teams that'd be, of the That'd be pretty incredible. Um but I, I think more than likely, Philadelphia and Brooklyn are going to overtake them. Uh, but, I mean, if you want to tell me that both of those teams are going to avoid uh, that um, play-in, the, the 7 through 10 play-in games, I, I, I wouldn't be stunned there. Yeah, uh, that's that's definitely how Chicago, I Chicago, by the way, tonight, I think it's tonight. When Is it tonight or tomorrow Chicago plays Golden State? Yeah, that's going to be exciting. That'll be a big – that, and that's in Oakland, so that'll be a huge – they, they moved to San Francisco already, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that'll be in, in uh, at Golden State, so th- that will be – That'll be a big one. That for, might be a great litmus test for figuring yeah. out if uh, the Bulls are legit. Even if they hang with them, like if Steph Curry comes in and goes off for forty-five points, and the, even if the Bulls don't win, but Steph Curry gets his, the, the Warriors go nuts, and the Bulls still come away losing by three. You feel good about you, that? As yeah, a Chicago I think if fan, you're a Chicago fan, you you like that. All right, on to number two. Lots of career highs already in this very young season. Uh, you know, we're about ten games deep now for most teams. Here are the players who've had a notable career high. Ricky Rubio had a career high 37 against the Cavs the other night. Anthony Edwards, career high 48. He's a bucket, man. Frank Kaminsky, that's a name I haven't heard in a while, career high 31. Jalen Brown, 46 points in one of the Celtics' first games. And Miles Turner, a career high of 40 points. If you put those five guys on a team, on a starting lineup, is that team making the playoffs? I'm going through the the – the standings um right now there are in in each conference you've got at least one losing team with a losing record who would get in the, one of those play-in games um so in that sense maybe i mean it feels like even before they did the play-in games and you just had eight teams from each conference it feels like particularly in the east there was the longest stretch where the eight seed was always like a 39 win team yeah 40 39 so, win team Maybe in that sense, uh, I, Anthony Edwards is the big story to me. I, I saw a, uh, I saw a number that I think it might be a forty-point game. Maybe it's thirty-five, but I think it's forty-point games. Anthony Edwards is on pace to, uh, be to tie. I think tie the record for most forty-one or forty-plus point games before turning the age of twenty-one. That's so crazy. He's he, he's really coming on, man. And and he had to spend a year in college. Yeah. Um, I think that the Timberwolves collapsing around two really excellent players is extremely funny to me. They're a terrible team. That team is the worst team in the league, I think, by most metrics. But Anthony Edwards and Carl Anthony Towns are super legit players. And listen, Anthony Edwards is not going to leave Minnesota for a couple years still. Cat might maybe should take this opportunity to try to get out of town. Yeah, I would agree. What's funny is if you look at uh, – 
if you look at the Minnesota scoring records um, as a franchise, they're obviously all held by Kevin Garnett by a lot. Mm -hmm. But then already in second and third place are Andrew Wiggins and Carl Anthony Towns. That's how <laughs> bad the rest of them been. Now, Carl Anthony Towns, has he made an all-star game yet? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's been a legitimate all-star. Um, but Andrew Wiggins, who has only been in the league since 2014 and has never played at an all-star level, has has already cemented himself as a top three scorer in the history of the of the Minnesota Timberwolves. And hasn't Timberwolves. played a game for them in two. And he years. has, yeah, and he only spent a few years with them. So that just kind of tells you what kind of franchise they're dealing with up in Minneapolis. Um, I anytime this this franchise comes up, uh, I, I love to tell this story. Where years ago I went to see the Royals play the Twins, and that game was at like three in the afternoon. And that night the Timberwolves happened to be playing the Pelicans. And I was like, oh, I get to watch Wiggins, get to watch Anthony Davis. This will be sweet. I checked tickets just to get in the door. It was like $7. So for And I just kept looking at lower-level seats. I sat like 20 rows up for about 30 bucks. It was beautiful. So that made me think, it's, you know, it's not so bad having a terrible NBA team. Yeah, this is town. why you Kansas City tickets. needs a really crappy a bad NBA, NBA team. team. So I can go and spend my Saturday nights yeah. in uh, the Sprint Center, like pretty close seats yeah. for, you know, but um, good on him. I mean, to me, that's the story. That Anthony Edwards is a dude. I mean, I think didn't wasn't Kaminsky Kaminsky on that list? <laughs> good, good for him, list. right? Good for him. Uh, the team that was supposed to win the national title that year. It was so upsetting that that 2015 Wisconsin team did not win the national championship because that would because they beat Kentucky mm -hmm. in the uh, in the Final Four. That would have been the equivalent of the United States beating the Soviets in 1980 and losing to Finland and coming up with the, like the bronze are not meddling at all um, in, in 1980. So it was very uh, unsatisfying that they lost to Duke in the national title game. Why do you pronounce it like that? I pronounce, I'm not moving on to number three. I, 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 I pronounce, so I say weird. Uh, I, I like, I think it's fun to pronounce things okay, oddly. Gotcha. Um, the state of our, the, t the capital of our state, I pronounce Topica. Um, the big city down near where Derek's going is Wichita. Um, not far from here is a town called Alatha. I just I don't know why. I'm just oh, I, I like I like I love words. I think about words a lot, and and so I love thinking about the the I love thinking about the pattern of words. I love thinking about the sounds of words. I love thinking about the order in which words are spoken, and that just has become an idiosyncrasy of mine. Well, I guess we found the right industry for you. I All right, uh, last one, number three. According to Cleaning the Glass, that's a basketball advanced analytics site sort of along the lines of like Fangraph or, or Baseball Reference. Uh, so far this year, Luka Doncic has the worst on-off differential of any player in the league. But he has the highest KO percentage. <laughs> I guess so. How do you feel about that? I mean, part of it is that Dallas has... Uh, not a great starting lineup, but a very good bench. That exacerbates these issues. But Luka Doncic, no star player that's talked about in the same way that Luka Doncic has talked about has ever had numbers these this bad on like on off differential. Uh, you know what I you said Luka Doncic. I was thinking uh, I, I said KO percentage because I was thinking of um, Nikola Jokic. Jokic, yeah. <laughs> I just you're out of shape European dudes who are incredible basketball players. I get confused, <laughs> um, especially because they're both so doughy looking, like. Luka's gotten a little bit better, uh, um, but Jokic will never stop looking like a Pillsbury man. Yeah, I. To, but to answer your question, um, 
I think what you're just seeing is more something weird about the 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 story, or I mean, it being in the you know the the early in the season. Mm-hmm. You mentioned off the air when we were prepping for this segment. You mentioned the leader in that stat is Devonte Graham. Yeah, who look Devonte Graham, I think, has proven to be a really reliable and, and valuable NBA player. Um, but I think that's gonna that'll sort itself out. I, I think. Um, I, I feel analytics are very valuable for entire seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think in, in any given 10-game sample size they're super reliable. I think over the long haul, he'll prove to be a good player. Yeah. Uh, because he's a good player. I believe that to a certain extent. Here's a uh, secondary stat to that. Did you know that he and Giannis are shooting the same three-point percentage? What is it? It's about like 28 or 29%. Woof. Yeah. Luca's Luca's having... A rough year offensively, and then his defense is just as turnstiley as ever. So we got Luca, Giannis, and Patrick Mahomes all just struggling. <laughs> well, here's, this year, here's man. the thing: Giannis can make up for not shooting because well of from three freakish athleticism because it doesn't matter. Yeah, he only true. takes like one and a half or two a that's game. Fair, yeah. Luca's still taking it's, like it's a big eight or nine game. a game. Yeah, it's a big part of his game. That's it. Yeah. Um, I don't know what what is your you're 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 much more. I like the NBA. But I really don't get you know big big into the NBA till about mid January. So That's what fair. is, what's your kind of take on that? I think that uh, Luka Doncic will one day win an MVP. But I've never been of the opinion that he uh, was going to be this like hands down transcendent basketball god. Uh, I thought that Trey Young over him was like reasonable. Um, uh, obviously, Marvin Bagley looks very, very bad in hindsight. Yeah, uh, but Trey Young is on. But DeAndre Ayton doesn't look that bad in hindsight. The yeah. Suns went to the finals because DeAndre Ayton and played of the, really freaking well. I was looking to to get to, for our Bulls uh, Washington discussion a couple minutes ago. I was looking at the NBA standings. The, the Suns went to the finals and they're sitting there at second in the West right now. Yeah, there's so they're not I, going anywhere. Yeah, they're they're still sticking around, which. What a great turnaround for that franchise, man. Yeah. That is a bottom-feeding franchise since Amari Stoudemire went to New York. A story came out about their their owner. Their, their I don't know what his official title is, if he's chairman or owner. He is, um, he's the majority owner. Okay, so if, if those if those allegations are true, you certainly hope they can they can pull a, uh, a Clippers on them and, and get some new ownership in there because the players – have created an awesome story for that for that franchise and that fan base. It really sucks when you feel like these players are creating a winning culture in yeah. this in this environment, and it's but a toxic owner, culture from the yeah. owner. And it's it's not just toxic. This Robert Sarver has been criticized as being the cheapest owner in the league for a decade and a half now, and things need to change there if they're going to start winning more consistently, winning games. He's Cole C. Debutar. I am Adam Drovetta. Uh, you will uh, next hear some uh, self uh, pregame for Tarleton State. Uh, he'll be taking on his buddy Billy Gillespie in this game. So we'll hear from Bill Self, who's talking a little bit about Tarleton State next. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on 1320 KLWN, FM 1017. Depend on it.